in the 60s, I had from my, was a yeshiva student in the 60s, in 770. It says one day, the rabbi secretary walks into the synagogue, calls them, he tells them, I have a mission for you. The rabbi secretary used to like him a lot, and used to give him, a, used to give him Rabbi Chodakov was his name, he used to give him a lot of missions. Told him, look, he's holding a letter in his hand. He tells him the Rebbe got a letter from a lady who lives on Eastern Parkway. She says she wants to send her son to Yeshiva University. Yeshiva University is a modern Orthodox college. Sure, boys went there. Yes. Oh, you know, Ryan, you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right. Then, uh, and she, she wants to send her son to Yeshiva University, but she doesn't have, she cannot afford the tuition. The Rebbe says, give the secretary the letter and tells him, make sure that she can take care of him. He tells the, the, the secretary tells the Yeshiva student, go find out what she needs, talk to her, and help her. He says, but I need to read the letter to know what she, who she is, what she needs. He tells them the letter is written in a very, in an old Yiddish type of style, a gravel, novel. He says, give it to your mother, to this boy's mother. She will be able to read it, and she'll tell you exactly what happened. She read it, she told him, and it, it tells the secretary, tells him, tell, you, t- you will take care of it, you pay the tuition. But one condition, she is not allowed to know who gave the money. The Rebbe said, nobody should know that he gave the money, that Chabad gave the money. He says, maybe I should, that the yeshiva student asked the, the secretary, maybe I should convince the mother to send the boy to Chabad, to, yeshiva, to Chabad yeshiva. He says, no, absolutely not. We want to help him to go to the yeshiva that he wants. He wants to go to yeshiva university, he should go there. He went, he figured out, he talked to her, he gave her the money, hmm. and the boy went to Yeshiva University. Two, three years later, Chabad used to make every, one well, a few times a year, it's called the Bgisha. It's like a, a Shabbat, that you, students, college students come to, to meet Chabad, to spend the Shabbat in Crown Nights, to come to the Rebbe, to see what's going on. Hmm. Okay, then one of the rabbis spoke to the group, and he gives a speech, then he's asking, any questions? The Shiva student was there too, this guy. He says, a student gets up, he recognizes that this is the guy that he helped him to go, and he's asking, tell me, why Chabad helps only themselves and not anybody else? <laughs> Isn't this unbelievable? He says, I couldn't say anything because the Rabbi Chodakov told me, I warn you, the Rebbe said you should never know who gave the money. There is a guy who is in the Chabad place of his full tuition in the Yeshiva University, and he's asking, why Chabad? Why I'm telling you this story? Many times people ask me, for the Rebbe's Yotzeit, what is a Rebbe? That's a Rebbe. A Rebbe is not here to collect credits. He doesn't want and he doesn't need that anybody should know who did and what who did. He wants that things should be accomplished. The Rebbe had a thousand institutions before he passed away. He didn't visit one of them because it wasn't his. It was for the sake of the Jewish people. I'll tell you another story that brings this point even more. This is about the previous Lubavitcher Rebbe. It was in 1927 in Russia. It was the beginning of communism. Communism came to power in 1920. They made their business to fight any religion, especially the Jewish religion. And, they, and most of the rabbis, the religious Jews, ran away. 
because they, they realized they cannot raise a Jewish family in, in, in Russia, they moved. At the beginning, you were able to live. Everybody ran away to Poland, to other places. The previous rabbi made a decision, he's staying here, because the majority of the Jewish people is not, are not living, right? Who is going to provide them with Judaism? Who is going to have a, a moil for them? And, and a sheichet, and a synagogue, and a Jewish education, something. He stayed there, and he made his business. He created an underground uh, movement. Of He sent out his own young yeshiva students to teach Torah, to do things. And they were caught. They went to jail, and many of them never came back. Mrs. Kazan's father was a moyel. In 1938, he was arrested. And a month later, or two months later, he was shot and killed. And many, many of them, gone, gone, gone. And he continued to say, send other ones. And they knew who is the boss. I mean, the KGB is not stupid. In 1927, they decided they put an end to it. One night, came in a whole group of soldiers to arrest the previous rabbi. Two hours, they researched everything, and, and they turned over the, up, the house upside down. But then, one of them turned to the rabbi in Yiddish, Rabbi, come with us. Rabbi, come with us. How is the KGB um, agent not Yiddish? The KGB boys were Jewish boys who went to Haider and became communists. Huh. And they, because they became communists, they were Jewish, they had to prove their loyalty to the communist uh, uh, movement. Yeah. They fought Judaism with more zeal than the, than the, than the non-Jewish communists. Because they had to prove themselves, you understand? And in this case, now they were not just Jewish boys. They were sons of Hasidim. One was named Nachmanson, and one was Lulav. Cannot find more Jewish names than this, right? Lulav and Lulav and Etrag. Right. <laughs> Their fathers were current living Hasidim of the previous Rebbe, of the Rebbe, and there is, their sons come to arrest them. It's like unbelievable. Okay, the previous Rebbe took a little suitcase, put the towels in it, filled inside a few books, some food, and he gives it to one of the soldiers to carry it for him. Lulav pulls the, the suitcase on the other, this, and he tells the Rebbe, he turns to the Rebbe, Rebbe, Hasidim, stay Hasidim. My grandfather carried your grandfather's suitcase. I will carry your suitcase. The Rebbe pulled out the suitcase from his hand and told them, my grandfather, your grandfather, married to carry my grandfather's suitcase wherever my grandfather wanted to go. You want to carry my suitcase wherever you want me to go? No, thank you. <laughs> you understand? Yeah. And Don't, the difference. This is a different story. Yeah? <laughs> but it tells you what was the dynamics. He came to the, arrived to the KGB headquarters. The, previ- the Rebbe told them, I will only speak in Yiddish. You want, if you want to hear my answers, that's me. The whole interrogation in the KGB headquarters was going on in Yiddish. So they were all Jewish. They all, you understand? It was like unbelievable what was going on there. They want, in the beginning, you want to give him a death sentence. Then they was changed to... Uh, finally, after... And the third of time was actually happens the same day, the Rebbe's site, he was released from jail to exile. After 10 days, he came out from exile. They, because of international pressure, the whole 
arrest was less than a month because of international pressure. German government, Latvian government, American government, everybody was involved in this. And the Russians had to give in and to let the Rebbe go. A few months later, he came out from Russia and he moved to Riga, Latvia. At that time, it was a free country. In Latvia, was living Lulav's father, the Hasid. <laughs> you can imagine he didn't want to show his face in front of the Rebbe. So embarrassed. His son gave the Rebbe, beat the Rebbe up. It's like, it, was, it was terrible, what was going on now. And the Rebbe sent a messenger to tell him he, should, he can come, he has nothing against him, and he wants to see him. That's a Rebbe, you understand? He does not gorgeous. He could say, no, fine, I'm not against you, but have a nice day. He wanted, he, comforted he, he comforted him. He saw, he knew how much his, his pain is, and he helped him. 20 years ago, a Chabad rabbi in Howard University in Boston. Howard? The black university? No, 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 no. Harvard. Harvard, sorry. yes, I'm sorry. Harvard <laughs> University. In Boston, El Shizachi is his name. He met, he met a boy, a Russian student. What's your name? Lulav. Mm-hmm. The grandson of this guy who arrested the previous rabbi in Russia. Mm-hmm. And he knew the story. Mm-hmm. And he was embarrassed to step foot in Chabad. But over the time, they brought him around into Judaism and he got close with Chabad too. <laughs> It's unbelievable. The grandfather was a, the great grandfather was a chosy. The, the the son arrested the previous rabbi. And his grandchild came around and became much closer to Judaism. But this is a rabbi. Why I'm telling you this story? Because the the parsha of this week has a very similar story. The parsha is about Korach. Everybody knows the story of Korach. Korach decided he wants to become a big macher. He came, he challenged Moses. Well, why are you, we are whole holy. Why are you making yourself into elitist? You are the, the king. Your brother is the high priest, Aaron. What is this? Korach, what really bothered Korach is something else. Korach was a first cousin with Moses. He says, Moses, is, Moses and Aaron are two big leaders, and I'm a nothing, what I'm a chaplain, chap what is this? That he started to drive them crazy. Oh, he want you to become so elite. The whole story, he ganged up the whole, the whole community against Moses. The end of the story, we all know. The hurt opened your mouth was a sinkhole, and he disappeared with his everything. But in you, that's, that's a known story. But, in the, but there is a, one issue there that's not, not so known. You know, when, when Korach, who joined Korach in this fight? Dayton and Aviram, the two troublemakers who always gave, gave Moses Grief in Egypt already. Mm-hmm. In the story, in the movie of the Ten Commandments, there is a Dayton and a Vira. Uh, right, there is a Dayton. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I can't, for you to cite the movie Ten Commandments, you're really yeah. reaching. Yeah, it was a, I saw a piece of it and I remember <laughs> Dayton was there. I, then I got tired of it. I got, right. I got bored. <laughs> you just admitted you've seen it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> then uh, Dayton is even the movie, then so sure, sure. <laughs> then. Uh, he was there, he gave, he, gave, he gave trouble to Moses. He was challenging Moses' leadership in Egypt. And the same thing during the desert. Then when Korach looked for people to join him, they were always ready to fight Moses. And then there is another guy with the name On. 
the son of Pelas. But his name is mentioned once and is never mentioned again. Right in the beginning it's mentioned, the first line of the parsha is mentioned. The, the Talmud is asking, what happened to On? Where is he? He disappeared. The Talmud says an amazing story. On came back home after the first initial meeting and told his wife what's going on, that he joined Korach and Nathan and Aviram and Dayton and Aviram to fight Moses. She looks at him and she tells him, are you crazy? What do what you gain from that? The only question is if Moses is going to be the leader or Korach will be the leader. But you, Avajuna, the leader. What, what are you doing? Why are you getting into a fight that you gain nothing for? Hmm. He says, he listens. He says, you're right. You know, your wife is always right. <laughs> He says, you're right, but too late. I already made a promise. We made, they made a pact. They, they swore to each other that they will stick it out together no matter what. She tells them, I'll take care of it. Leave it for me. She gave him to drink a few lechaims, made them drunk, put them to sleep in the back of the tent. And she, she sat outside of the tent. She uncovered the rear. And she sat in a non-modest way. When they came to rally up the troops, they were not comfortable to get too close. Hmm. They didn't see him. They didn't know her. It was an uncomfortable situation. They didn't call him. Hmm. And that's how he survived. He stayed home. He wasn't a part of the fight. He wasn't swallowed up in the earth. He wasn't in a sinkhole. He survived. Hmm. But here comes the problem. When you survive such a thing, everybody else doesn't have to face Moses, right? All the people are against Moses. Now everybody knows that Moses is right. He made such an unbelievable miracle that the earth opened her mouth and everybody swallowed up. And, and, uh, and, he's, uh, and he's alive. That his wife tells him, time to go out from your tent. Enough, it's, the story is over. He says, I'm embarrassed to face Moses. Can you imagine? He has to go to see Moses. Like, you went against me? She told him, I'll take care of it. She was a very capable woman. She went to Moses, she was crying. Moses is asking this, this guy, who is this woman? Why is she crying? Tell her, this is On's wife. He says, what happened? He says, you know the story On? He was one of the people, Moses probably didn't even know about it. He's one of the people who wanted to go against you and he didn't go in. He told him the whole story and he's immersed to get out of the tent. Moses got up went all the way to the tent of On, called them out of the tent and told them, God has forgiven you. Don't worry. That's a leader. A leader is somebody who doesn't have any, does not only does not gorgeous, he's helping the person who was fighting him to get him out of his... He got himself stuck in the, in the situation. Yeah. You know, like there is a saying, a person cannot pull himself out of jail release himself from jail, yes, he has to, that, that's what happened to him. And that's what a Rebbe is. And the, in the outside, what's the right thing to do in the outside, the Rebbe said it is Sunday, is to do one extra mitzvah. Like to put on film, or put up a mezuzah in the door, or help somebody else. But the most important thing the Rebbe wants from people is to influence other Jews, is to reach out to somebody, another person, that was the Rebbe's life. The Rebbe made from every person a Chabad rabbi. Whoever he met, he told them, you are my messenger to go and to do something good. 
And in this way, we can reach everybody, because as I told you many times, many people are afraid to talk to me. Hmm. But they, they will talk to you. They talk to people who don't look like rabbis. Then these people, you can influence them. I can't. Hmm. And that's your job.